0: Log Talk Radio. Uh-oh, guess what day it is? Julie, huh? Julie, ah huh? Guess what day
1: it is? Guess what day it guess is. is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 huh? What day is it, Mike? Ah. Huh?
0: Woo-hoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day. Woo-hoo! this
2: is tom donaldson here on the donaldson files welcome ladies and gentlemen and i am the chairman of america's pack i am the research associate of america's majority foundation as well as the project director i'm the author of eight Great books, not yet bestsellers, but they all should be, including the rise of national Pop- populism and democratic socialism. And also, uh, look up boxing in the shadows: a history of black fighters in the United States. So it's a so I've got you know all kinds of books available. You can read them all, and they should all be bestsellers. And particularly, like I say, the rise of national populism and democratic socialism: what a response should be. It's available on Amazon.com post posthill press dot com. And also last night we had a great show. And and by the way, we're gonna have a great show tonight. We got Justin Hart on with me. And you know Justin's a data guy, knows you know if any you know he's one of those guys that can give you every bit of data on COVID that you need, want, or even think about. But last night's show we had a great show. Uh we had among you know you know, among those, we had our, our old Virgil Green, Maury Richards, who is a retired police chief, and, and our good friend, Wilfred Riley. And it's one of those shows that you – you know, let me just put it this way. You had 60 years of police experience in policing, plus a, an academician who's done a lot of research in the areas of crime, and this was a great show. It was a great show, and it's worth – you listening to and let me get your pen and pencils out right now get your pen and pencils out right now all right first of all dot bachelor news dot airtime dot pro t h b a t c h e l o r news dot airtime dot pro 3 a.m 10 a.m you can listen to repeats of this show on our on the on our podcast and this is one of those shows like tonight at uh, you know three AM uh what's you say tomorrow morning or at midnight if you're on the Pacific, like my guess is this is worth listening to this show again because there are things that I wasn't that I didn't know that I learned last night. And 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 they did a great job of explaining no knock, uh, talking about what happened in Kentucky. And also talking about where we need to go in policing, uh, in policing. So excellent show, 3 a.m., 10 a.m., thebachelornews.errortime.pro. Uh, if you want to be on tonight's show, you can call 646-929-0130. That is 646-929-0130. Now I'm going to introduce. Now Justin Hart's been on our show before. Uh, he is one of the editors of RationalThought.org, and, and and quite frankly, it's one of those sites that it's a it's one of those sites that's really excellent. If you want to know some good solid data on COVID, and we're going to be discussing COVID, but you know, Justin, like myself, is a has been a political operative. I am one now. And so I did want to start off, uh, Justin, uh, give me some of your thoughts on last night's debate.
3: Wow, it was uh, it was quite the ride. Uh, I can remember where I was eight years ago. Uh, I was in Boston. I was uh, a, a senior advisor uh, on the digital side for the Romney campaign, and I was up there for three months, and the first debate was kicked off. And the one thing I remember is that expectations were very much in our favor, or uh, they were very low for Governor Romney. And if you might recall, Governor Romney did incredibly well during that first debate. Now, if I were to attribute sort of a four-dimensional chess playing to uh, President Trump and to his campaign, uh, I might say that they were playing in that fashion, too. They knew that expectations were so low for Biden, Vice President Biden, that if he came off stage without passing out, he will have won the debate and maybe perhaps that's why Trump uh, being the main instigator turned it into a bit of a mosh pit, right? Uh, there was a, a lot of back and forth, a lot of talking over uh, a lot of rabble rousing. But if you'll notice, no one came away, especially Biden with any zingers or any plus now, just so you know how this works and how the sausage is made, because I've been on there. I've been to the big dance as they say. And when that happens, you have uh, surrogates to the campaign, former governors, former uh, congressmen, former senators, current senators, current congressmen, all vying for a spot in the White House should their candidate win. And they have handlers, and those handlers then take him around in the post-debate to all of the different interviewees, right? Or they set him up in remote rooms, and there's all sorts of prep, there's all sorts of pre-releases. So if you can imagine every single liberal reporter had gotten ahead of time, all of the one-liners, all of the zingers, all of the set pieces, as one of my friends online said, that that they were going to tout and amplify. And none of that was available to them because no one got any words in. So that's my take. It was a mosh pit, maybe purposefully so.
2: Here's the problem I have with last night's debate. It's, I'm going to put a boxing an analogy to it uh, because I had mixed emotions. You know, you know, from a policy point of view, I thought Trump got the better of the policy argument, but, you know, but in debates, it's not just about policy, but it's about, you know, expectation, but just as much about, okay, who do you, it, it is also personal. You know, can I, you know, can I have a, can you sit back and feel comfortable with that person after the debate? And, I yeah you know, and I, my view and I have to be honest with you because I had mixed I mean it I'm literally you know literally looking like today yesterday I looked at some of these uh, post election polls and all that and I was stunned I mean like CNN you know they had like two to one in favor of Biden Telemundo well, granted it was not scientific but you had a two to one on a Hispanic station for Trump and yeah then I was yeah and and I have to be I'm thinking to myself you know I, you know, what happened that I missed? And I, and I talked to one of my associates this morning. We got talking. And and one of the things I always judge is what is my opponent's thinking and doing or thinking about? Uh, you know, in, in politics, for example, if a you – know, this has happened to me three times uh, where I've had a certain uh, law firm come after me on an ad. And I remember the first time they did, you know, they basically tried to get the ad off the air, said it was, you know, da-da-da. And I could remember going to uh, a good friend of mine who's in the media, and he said, well, congratulations, Tom. They actually think you're worth fighting. <laughs> You've made the big time. Yes. Right. But, yeah, I, I yeah, think – yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, the, yeah the, the point I'm going to make here is this. This morning, you know, I saw, for example, on, a, on Powerline blog, you know, you had Scott Johnson saying, and Paul, you know, and Paul Manning-Fly basically saying, oh, "God, this was a lousy performance by Trump." Yeah, Racker saying, "Oh no, he won this thing." And kind of similar to what you said, State, Steve Haywood saying the same thing, Stanley Kurt saying the same thing. And Then I'm looking at this morning, uh, the number of roles saying, "No more debates for Joe Biden," and I'm thinking to myself. Because my associate this morning told me, he said, I would have this thing every other day if Trump is going to behave this way. He's going to scare all of these suburbanites to Biden. That was his first reaction. And I said, well, you know, and I I said, I know what you're saying, but I just find it fascinating that all of these people are demanding Biden not to debate anymore. And my first thought is, first of all, number one, he can't get out of these debates. And not lose. And number two, you know, what did they really say? You know, that's that's yeah, my I, thing. I'm I saying, think. Yeah, you know, I. Yeah, and, and I guess the question is, I don't. You know, it's one of those things. I'm starting to think, what did I miss? And hold on to that thought. I think. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Hold on, thought, Jess. I'll, I'll bring you right back here. This is Tom Donaldson Perfect. here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Larry Peterwa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. I am called the philosopher of current events, an independent, open-minded, conservative, with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com.
2: Welcome, ladies and back to the Donaldson Files. And not to forget, Locker Talk with Barry Bonds. Barry is where you can hear about the NFL Stars of Tomorrow today. Listen to Barry every Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com slash la-bachelor and the podcast every day from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with back-to-back episodes at thebachelornnewsairtime.pro. Interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. All right. Uh, okay, go ahead, Justin.
3: Well, look, I, I think the debates, um, if they matter at all, the, the first debate matters because what the press wanted and what Biden wanted to show – this day after was that uh, he was not uh, the senile person that the campaign has made him out to be, or that he's made himself out to be over the campaign trail, but that he was very viable and that he was very energetic and that he could still get off some one-liners. And so he was prepared with a lock, stock and barrel of a whole bunch of things to say and didn't get to say any of them. So now uh, and I, I think there was no way out for Trump otherwise. I think expectations were so low for Biden, as I said, that he could literally stumble on stage and they would still resurrect him and say he did fantastic well. And so I don't know that the debates, as we've shown historically, have have moved things dramatically. They're more just fodder to talk about. And really, that's the main issue between Trump and those who hate and love him or otherwise, which is most of what everyone complains about Trump is words, right? What he says, yes. what he says, what he says, what he tweets, right? Now, if right. you had just a, a list and a litany of what Trump has done during his presidency, and you kept it at that, there would be conservatives blocking yeah. to his door from here to eternity. But he's mean, and he pushes back. As one of my, my good friends, uh, Mary Catherine Ham said, it's like, Uh, This time around, when we elected Trump, we were so tired of getting bullied from a conservative point of view, we went out and find the biggest bully we could and elected him. And and I think that's the right part. He's just, you know, uh, one of the faults of the Romney campaign, and I was on it, was that we were constantly walking on eggshells. The only other time I ever heard from one of my superiors above me in the food chain was, Justin, you shouldn't have tweeted that out, Right. And because they're always nervous about the press coming after you and everything else, there, walking on eggshells. Well, no one could ever accuse President Trump of walking on eggshells. He makes the yeah. point to step them and grind them into the carpet for good, right? And so yeah. you know yeah. the style, and that's really the main comp- complaint that people have. It's the style. That, yeah. Well, I would say this: though. in the case of Biden, he did survive the
2: evening, uh, and you know that's a minor victory in and of itself. Yeah, I guess, like I say, I thought that, you know, to me, Trump got the better of the arguments as far as the policy goes. And in the back of my mind, I'm wondering how it plays out. Yeah, well, I whether think, or not know, it. Yeah, it's, and that's yeah. you know, the way I kind of look at it. But, it's, you know, Trump breaks all the rules anyway. And I guess my question would be to you is, you know, how does this thing play out over the next, until, let's say, the Harrison Pence debate?
3: Well, I I don't know exactly. Now, you're right, and people hear different things. There was a really interesting um, uh, framework that happened just after the last election at a particular university where they took the transcripts of one of the debates between Hillary and Trump, and they switched gender roles. And then they they played that to an audience. They had two actors play it out, and all of a sudden the people who were listening to a woman who was speaking Trump's words and a man – who is speaking Hillary words, were so convinced by Trump's sides they were really troubled by it, right? And so it depends, you, you don't always hear what's happening in your head, which is why I think in, in certain yeah. circles like Hispanic and Latino families, they understand things in a, a bit of a different way. In fact, we, we see that in COVID, where uh, the largest growing segment of cases that we have in the country are Latinos between the ages of 18 and 34, because they're not going to stand for this nonsense of social distancing. It's just not in their culture. It's not in their makeup. And, and bless them, God bless them, because they may have created herd immunity here in Southern California. The cases, if I can transition to COVID, went from like, you know, in June, they had 10,000 to almost 150,000 cases just for that segment. Latinos, 18 to 34. But deaths only went up by like 50 from like 50 to 100, right? And it's because they understood that this is part of their life and they're not going to stop. It's a very important part of the life, family culture meeting, uh, parties, 4th of July, all those things, Labor Day weekend, all these things are going to just do because they're not going to have the government stand up. So maybe there's a certain amount of resonance that Trump has with that audience that maybe we're not seeing, which is what might have been reflected in that instant Telemundo poll.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting conversation. Like I say, we'll find out, you know, as we go along here. But it's like I guess you know, I have I mean, my first instinct was uh, I don't know you, know, you know, how's this going to play out? Because I think like a political operative that I am, and then I'm sitting there reading, you know, all you know, everything. It's like it's you know, when I saw Andrew Sullivan, who just endorsed Joe Biden, come out and say that Trump dominated them, and I'm thinking, well, you know. I mean, you literally can say things on the left that Trump won, and you can say things from let's say people on the right you know he lost uh, but it's you know like you say there's it's just one of those debates where I'm not sure you can find a winner or loser, but in the end, it's about uh, you know you know and and I think the which brings me now to the interesting point because. You know, COVID to me is one of those defining issues, and I know again in polls that we keep conducting, it's there in the top two or three. Uh, now, jobs in the economy is joining COVID, but still, you know, COVID is there. And I want the first thing I want to kind of bring you up on, bring you here, is the Scott Atlas, because I think you know what I'm seeing is with Scott Atlas is that. He has challenged the status quo within the Washington, D.C. scientific community. He's that outsider who's come in and said, wait a minute. You know, this, is this what the data is telling us? And I've noticed, you know, you know not as the media, but, you know, you know Tony Fauci kind of took a kind of a you know, kind of went after him. And certainly the chief of this guy, what's his name, Robert Redford or whether, uh, Redfield? Yeah, of the CDC, you know, and he's, you know, he didn't hide what he was saying. And so I guess my question is, what do you make of it from, you know, from a scientific perspective as far as scientific debates within the community, the scientific community goes?
3: Yeah, well, I, I think very telling is whenever you hear pushback from Fauci or Redfield, and whenever they make assertions, they very rarely back it up with any scientific data. When Dr. Redfield is waving his mask and saying, this, this tool might be better than the vaccine, there's zero evidence for that at all, right? But he does it anyways. Yeah. When Fauci claims and pushes back on Paul Rand, he, he threw out some type of study that just came out. No one can find that study. I can't find that study. And there are 24 other stories, studies that say something very different. When, when you see and you hear someone like Dr. Atlas or even Governor DeSantis, who has taken the time to get to know the, the data, and there on our website, rationalground.com, you will see a full transcript of a forum which Governor DeSantis put together with a lot of colleagues of Dr. Atlas from Stanford and from otherwise across the seas. And it is the most detailed, authentic science-based element you can get to. And I think the main problem that I see is that if you made your bed early on with this being a bird box, contagion movie-like pandemic, it's very hard for you to pull back the reins and to say, no, you know what, maybe I was wrong. They've put a lot of coin and a lot of reputation into that slot machine and they just feel like if I just keep putting it in there, it'll pay off, right? And their mind is fixed yeah. on this. And it's fixed on it. It's the, the problem is, you start anchoring yourself around things that are not yeah. very scientific, such as testing, right? And so, any so yeah. anytime there is some type of case buildup in the, in the country, everyone freaks out. And it's going to have to be a very, very strong mind shift change, hopefully, after election weekend get to this very quickly, which is you have to understand that cases are not bad, okay? They're not bad necessarily at all. And that's a a tough mindset for people to swallow because we've been sold the line that if anyone gets sick, it's a disaster. Now, first of all, all the people that are getting sick are not really getting sick. Take, for example, the seven or eight uh, NFL players who just came down with a positive COVID test and is delaying the game by a few days. Those people didn't have any symptoms, and a a lot of the cases that we see in the world, it's because of the settings of the test that we have, okay? And we did a uh, a video that you can find on my Twitter feed and otherwise that really talk about some of the settings of the way that tests are performed. And and basically, it's like, well, if they can't find the the, uh, the virus with uh, a regular camera lens, they're going to zoom in and see how many Zooms they need to get to before they find it, right? Well, if, if it takes yeah. you 40 Zoom cycles, we call cycle thresholds, where the RNA is replicated on the test to bring it up to the luminance that they need on the sheet, that means there's not a live virus there. And, and so all of a sudden, we've got huge problems. We've been telling people that they are positive with COVID, and they're not. And I'm well, telling you, this some huge liabilities,
2: now. yeah. Well, let me let me kind of follow because here's the way, and please kind of correct me you know, because I want to kind of follow up with that the PSA because my interpretation is not so much false positive as much as when you get to that higher focus, you're really seeing an infection that had already happened. I mean, you got the virus, these traces of the virus. Yeah, uh, we, we believe to... so.
3: Well, we also believe yeah. there are some false positives associated with this, which, which is another start of the setting of the test, whether that's specificity or sensitivity as to yeah. whether or not the person is a, is a positive case or not. Uh, and then on top of that, you you have the realization that 30% of common colds are coronaviruses and will show up likely that they are COVID. And so you have all these elements which go into we cannot trust our testing environment and that it's causing a lot of headaches and pain. An entire school will shut down. Kids at college are being quarantined for, for two weeks or more because they got a positive test. They have no idea what you're talking about because they didn't feel anything. And it could have been literally 80 days ago that they may have had a sniffle or a cold and the remnants are still there. It's really, really difficult yeah. for me to stomach that we have, Created this monster of cases, which is keeping the country locked down.
2: All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's to me, because I've been looking at this and I keep thinking, I've been, and I read your site, you know, trying to explain this. And I and I guess my question is going mean, to be my question, my first thought was, is like with these professional athletes. You know, I, you know, I, I'll give you one example before we go to the next break here. You know, I think of Brad Keller. You know, for those people who don't, he's the starting. He's the ace of the Kansas City Royals. Five and three record. Hmm. He had the best. He had the best season of. You know, he's, this is his third year in the major. He kind of made that broke. You know that breakthrough as a major league pitcher, and he had a great season. And I thought to myself, you know, the guy was quarantined during their summer camp. I mean, he didn't really play in the summer camp. And then here he is. You know, basically playing the best baseball of his entire life, and and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think it's time for us to reevaluate because I made the point on the show to live with the virus, and and I and I'm finding you know, and, and I'm thinking to myself because uh, you know we're gonna yeah you know, like and I I don't know if you had a chance I, I sent you an email you know with a study you know we just did through yes. the foundation. I want to kind of talk very briefly about that. Then we're going to go right into some of the points that Scott Atlas has made. This is Tom Donaldson uh, on the Donaldson Files here with my special guest, Justin Hart, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network and the Donaldson Files.
4: I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerating. I can fight it naturally.
2: No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov.
4: A message from the U.S. Department
3: of Health and Human Services.
2: Okay, this is Tom Donaldson back here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, 646 929 0130. If you want to join the conversation, 646 929 0130. Or you can text me at Donaldson Files on Twitter. And don't forget 3 a.m., 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Dot Pro every day and midnight to 7 a.m. on Pacific Times. And, and and you can listen to some of the great shows that we have done over the past couple of weeks. And trust me, we've had some really great shows. I do also want to say that Coco Konsky, who's been on sabbatical, my normally my co-host will be back full time next week. Uh, I talked to her uh, just a couple of days ago. She says she's wrapping some things up. She did have some. She didn't feel. She did have some illness that she had to deal with as well on top of everything. But you know, she's going to be back full time. So that's yeah so we welcome back uh Cocoa next uh uh next Tuesday and oh yeah next Tuesday will be our 3rd anniversary. You know, we started in October of 2017 3 years on the show. So uh I just want to kind of let you know. Okay. Back to uh, uh Justin. Okay, Justin. You know, I guess the you know I guess my question will be from this point. The question is this way. This is an unusual virus to me because you – know, and I know you, you you put this data on the rational thought – is if you're like 18 and under, I mean, you're going to have – I mean, it's almost like, what, one in 100,000, you're going to die from this. If you're 70 years well, old – one in several, several million,
3: actually, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you are, let's say, 70-plus with some comorbidity – it's a five out of a hundred. <laughs> That's,
3: right. That's right.
2: And so you know, and so, yeah. basically that, you know, the way I kind of put it is that the first group, it's not even the flu. The second group, the, the over 70, it's a Well, if you think they, about they, it, see- it
3: in these terms, yeah, no, I, but, but, it, but think about it in these terms, actually. If you look yeah. across, for example, California, like let's take the big spike countries out of this, the big spike moments like New York City and New Jersey. Because literally when, when, uh, when Senator Paul Rand said the other day that New York City had the worst record in COVID, he's not kidding. Like you compare any region in the world to what happened there as far as excess deaths. And it was, it was awful what happened in New York City. But look at California, for example, the, when we talk about the impact of COVID, what we like to talk about are the excess deaths. That is, you know, 5,000 people die every day. Uh, 8,000 people die every week in nursing homes, 40,000 nursing home deaths and long-term care facility deaths every month without COVID. Okay. So that's the reality of what you get to. And what you want to know is, you know, if I'm in, for example, Florida where the median age is 42 uh, versus Utah where the median age is 30, if I adjust for populations, I'm still going to find more deaths every week in Florida. So it's not just about the number of deaths per population. It's about, what were you expecting to happen that week? And here in California, where I am in San Diego and otherwise, we have not seen a spike of a week which reached above the 2017-2018 flu season. That was a far more impactful virus than COVID has ever been. And there are other things to explain that, but that's the context and relativity that you see there. And so when you, when you put it in that realm, actually – You are as likely to die at your age, at any age in California, of anything else or COVID at any time. It it actually, if you look at the graph of how many people die on a monthly basis by age, the line exactly matches COVID, which tells you that it's not like any virus we know. And actually, if it were, there would be thousands of teenagers dead and hundreds of infants dead, and it would be an awful, awful experience. But we can say COVID is not like influenza in this regard, that it largely spares our youth.
2: That's a good point, which we might do right now. So we just did a PSA for the flu, and I did that purposely because if there was ever a group of people who should be getting flu shots, it's children and teenagers and college kids based on what you just stated. You know, uh,
3: yeah, and, and the other uh, thing to think about, though, Tom, is this. That we're going these next couple of weeks are going to be very, very important. We are in week forty of the year. Week forty is when the flu season starts. Now, right now, the flu season has almost disappeared. We don't know what the next few weeks will bring. We're gonna to have to pay close attention to that. But all of a sudden, all of the deaths, all of the major illnesses and hospitalizations that we are expected for influenza haven't shown up for some reason. Now, someone might attribute that to social distancing or washing of hands, but there's plenty of states around the country that aren't aren't social distancing and wearing masks. But the issue really is what we call pull-forward deaths. That is to say a large portion, this is our theory, a large portion of the deaths that we see from COVID were actually deaths that were, if you will, slated, or probably going to happen later this year during the influenza season but they were pulled forward now we should move and try to do everything we can to extend the lives of the people that we love especially our elderly but that context is important to understand because if you consider that we see between 50 and 100,000 deaths from influenza pneumonia every year here in the United States the question always is how many of the 200,000 deaths that we had from COVID are actually influenza or pneumonia deaths that we would have seen anyways? And those numbers we're going to have to see. We don't know yet.
2: Yeah, Let, let me ask you a question, then, because seriously, we got 200,000 deaths. So we're 200, talking about 205,000 deaths listed. And, okay, now, recently, Great Britain reexamined theirs, and basically, they cut their total death total down by 10%. It says, you know, how many of these are actually COVID deaths? Kind uh, of to explain to people what is considered a COVID death by most states in the United States or by the CDC.
3: Well, look, I'll explain it this way because we're, we're not going to know. Now, the CDC will tell you, look, you probably shouldn't trust our numbers until a year or two years down the road. And so this is the kindest interpretation I've had of all of the data problems we have, which is we have forced the CDC and our health institutions to treat COVID cases, hospitalizations, ICUs, and deaths like overnight ballots returns, right? We want to see the poll results now. And so don't be surprised if you get the equivalent of hanging chads and a bag full of votes in the back of some trunk in Broward County when it comes to COVID counting, right? And so that's sort of the context of what I'm going to say here. So we don't know exactly what's, what's going to happen with deaths. Like, if we, if we have the counting of COVID deaths according to the WHO, uh, where we would actually exclude those who died with pneumonia, we would only have 84,000 deaths for COVID. Only I say, of course, we, we've more, so all these you deaths. Say, in you say we exclude those with pneumonia? Yeah, the idea is like, yeah, so there, there are certain deaths that come with COVID and certain deaths that come with COVID and pneumonia. And, and the way that the WHO specifies how they recommend you should count and specify COVID deaths is, is a very specific way. If we did that in, in the counting de- definition they have, there would only be 86,000 COVID deaths. But again, let me put you in the perspective of a hospital administrator, Okay. Because you're a hospital administrator, and the president and subsequently the governors and ongoing the governors shut your business down, shut the most profitable parts of your business down. And there is this CARES money, billions and billions of dollars out there, and you would be a very poor administrator indeed if you did not do everything within your power to make up for that lost revenue. And unfortunately, they're doing it by what we call death, uh, death certificate matching. And the way you know this is happening is that the number, you know, there's, there's been a very, very strong correlation between the number of ICU admissions, people admitted to the ICU, and the percentage of those people who die. Well, all of a sudden, there's a huge separation of the number of deaths that are reported and the number of ICU admissions. And it's because... For example, a lot of the deaths that are being found and put into the system are being counted all the way back to May. In fact, we have an interactive tool you can use right there on rationalground.com. If you scroll down for a little bit, you'll see an article about deaths and data and how bad it is. And you can actually click on the CDC numbers. And if you click on a specific week, you'll see it's not all the deaths that happened that week. They layer into the past because people find new deaths. And it very likely is that some of those are COVID deaths and everything else. There are, in fact, a good portion of them are. But it's very likely that people are going back and attributing those deaths to COVID. In certain states, it's not required that they come up with a positive test. They might be able to say, well, you know, this person really had all the symptoms of COVID, and that's good enough for our county or good enough for our state. And so we're going to count it as a COVID death. That hospital will get the CARES money, and it'll roll up and scare everyone to death. That's the unfortunate
2: okay, reality of what we're in. Okay, let me to th- 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 a question right here. Okay, the WHO has a stricter standard. Would Correct. that explain why outside of the United States you got that the death total is not as high as not as high because you're talking about, you know, what we got what about a million deaths, not counting China. And and we got two hundred some test thousand here, twenty percent. Is. So that other 800,000, would you say that that's a more
3: accurate count?
2: Or are they using the WHO standards? Why it, would
3: that be? It, it, yeah, it differs per country, unfortunately, and it really is a, a difficult proposition. But, again, what you have to come back to is excess deaths. I'll give you an example. This is probably not real, but I think it, it illustrates what goes on. You know, the running of the bulls in yeah. Pamploma, Spain, right, every year around July. Yeah. And there's a neighboring town – uh, Longonia, which is just to the southwest of Pamplona, Spain. Well, during the first week of July, I'm pretty sure that you should expect 10 to 20 extra deaths maybe on average from the running of the bulls versus what you see in a similar populated town to the southwest. And that's what you see across the world. Spain has one of the oldest populations. Italy has one of the oldest populations. And if you take the weeks at which they were over the expected deaths, those excess deaths that we keep talking about. You'll see that Spain was 61% over what they expected their deaths to be. Belgium was 52%. Britain was 46%. The United States, over the weeks of its pandemic and the excess deaths it had, was only 17% over the expected deaths that they anticipated. We expected 1.2 million deaths. We have 1.5 million deaths. Uh, or I think it's one point, actually 1.28 million deaths and 1.51 million deaths were the actuals. And that's 17% over what you expected there. We're a very large country. We're also a very ra- large regional country, uh, which is why it expected a, you know impacted us in a very dramatic way there. You know, Moscow is as far, uh, New York is as far from San Diego as Moscow is from Gibraltar. And so the, the regional impact of what happens in New York versus what happens here in San Diego is very different. And so that context matters. And so, yes, I think if – the short answer is yes. I think if if we had adhered to the who standard, our debts would be different. But overall, we performed pretty darn well compared to other countries.
2: Hold on. This is Tom Donson with uh, our special guest Justin Hart here on the Donson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
3: Tune in the You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement
2: and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. And Welcome back to Donaldson Piles, Tom Donaldson with our special guest Justin Hart for uh, the Bachelor News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Bachelor. The show discusses issues of race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, and sports that affect black, black brown, and poor people negatively. Listen live. It'll be Monday and Thursday, 6, 8, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on blocktalkradio.com L.A. Bachelor. And the rebroadcast every day at 8 a.m., 8 a.m., and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the thebachelornews.airtime.pro. If you're interested in having your own show or advertising, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. All right. Uh, let's, go, here's, uh, let's talk about Scott, Scott Atlas here. If you were to summarize Scott Atlas's position on COVID, what would it be?
3: Uh, Scott has, for his mantra, a very specific goal for the White House. Uh, one of them is to protect the uh, the populations that are most vulnerable. That is the most important part there. Um, one, I would say he's very keen that children and young adults have a very low risk or a serious for serious illness or death from COVID. Two, his, his also his main mantra is that lockdowns, very, very harmful, and we need to do away with them. Uh, I think we also need to know that children do not spread the virus as easily to adults as otherwise. And uh, immunity to the virus is not, it was not only due to detected antibodies, but also to other elements of the human body that we're finding readily now. So the appropriate strategy that Scott is um, establishing, that Dr. Atlas is establishing, is to diligently protect the vulnerable and open society to end the lockdown
2: okay let's yeah, let's kind of follow up a little bit, um, okay, for example, because one of the questions was herd immunity, which is what you're kind of granting that, uh, you know just not just because you have the antibodies of the virus, but there's also the T cell one of the factors could be T cells. Could you explain that?
3: right, so one of the factors that you have, for example, as I mentioned before, is that uh, there is cross-immunity from other coronaviruses. Uh, As I mentioned, 30% of common colds are coronaviruses. And so when you get a common cold and you get over it, your body produces antibodies. And part of that can go to um, inhibit what we think is happening with COVID-19, which is why, for example, uh, you you have uh, Governor Cuomo sitting there flummoxed at one of his pressers, I think, two weeks ago, and he says, the, the experts told us that if we open back up, we would see a massive surge, and we don't see it. And who knows why? Well, well, we know why, because we believe that the threshold for obtaining herd immunity is not this 60 70% that you always hear of, which doesn't have a, a lot of factual basis. It's actually much, much lower, uh, perhaps as low as 25%. So we find, if you look at, for example, the Sun Belt, Uh, That was the second sort of surge that we saw as it came down to other populations that were very populous, Southern California, uh, Texas, Arizona, and Florida. As that, that surge came over those uh, populations, they've reached about 10 to about 15% of their population that probably had infection. And then it started caving down like that. In fact, if you look at their curves, it's the most amazing thing. They go in sequence. It's like all of a sudden, a group of infected cobites went from Florida to Texas to Arizona and California on a trip and infected everyone at the same time, and they all came down around the same time. It was It's a really mathful thing to look at if you see it. But we know there's another element there, which is sort of the seasonality that affects influenza may also affect um, SARS-CoV-2.
2: Okay, let me let me wrap up something here, because this a, I got into a conversation with an individual, and the CDC for the past decade has said, 40 to 60 million Americans got influenza. Right. The more I thought about that, the more I thought, wait a minute. If you're talking 60 million people, and we've averaged, let's say, 320 million – for the past decade, we've probably gone from 320 million to about 331 million today. That means Mm -hmm. percent when the virus disappears.
3: Right. And
2: I get – and so my question would always been, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put it this way: Why doesn't somebody put that into calculation? If we're seeing this with the flu, would we see it with the coronavirus?
3: Well, it, it's unlike the flu. It's sort of like a viral pneumonia, right? It like skip. You know, the the influ influenza can lead to pneumonia. It, it makes your body susceptible to that. Whereas SARS-CoV-2 just brings you right to that sort of viral pneumonia that, that really gets into your lungs and has that disposition there. Uh, and so you're right. If, if you think about it in terms if you're a business person and you've dealt with sales before, uh, you, for example, have certain leads that you get, right, that you go after. Yeah. And certain of those leads, you work them and they become opportunities to go after. Uh, and then certain of those become real prospects. And of those prospects, a certain percentage of those close and become customers. And there's a certain, if you wish like that as a funnel, that you know, the leads go into the top and they come down the bottom in fewer cases. In the 2017-18 flu season, we had 44 million people who had symptomatic sort of illnesses. Maybe they got a little bit ill. Only half of those deemed it necessary to go to the doctor to have a medical visit. So about 20 million went to the doctor. Of those, 800,000 had to be hospitalized. And of those, 61,000 died. OK, so that was that very serious 2017, 2018 season. Well, what we, that was one of the main reasons why I got involved in COVID is I understood this uh, in, in a very distinct way in that sort of sales perspective. And when the numbers started coming out, I realized these numbers are off. Like when the, when the who started touting 3.4 percent, I said, no, no, that math is wrong. Something is very amiss. And, and I think what it was is, you know, we, we didn't know a lot about the virus and we freaked out. And it's tough to roll back the freak out. That's the main problem. And my fear is that we broke the glass. We uh, rang the alarm. We took out the axe. We took out the fire extinguisher. And we did everything under the sun for a major pandemic for what turned out to be a mild to moderate pandemic.
2: All right, okay. Let me, yeah,
3: like you say, it's kind of an interesting point because
2: that's one of the issues that Scott Atlas is having – with uh, Redfield and Fauci, That's been my impression. That's one of them. The case of herd immunity is certainly, you know, that was what Rand Paul and uh, the Fauci debate was all about. Yeah, that's, yes. And that's, to me, this, that was one of the, that's one of those points where Atlas is basically on the low side of herd immunity and Fashi's on the higher side of the immunity case. Correct, uh, correct, yes. Now, the other aspect would be – here's the other question I'm going to throw back because at the beginning, if you look what Fashi was saying in his original New England Journal, he was going 0.1% to 1%. Then he went to a congressional hearing and said this is 10 times worse than the flu, and he was basing it on 1%. I think in March he went up to 2%. And, and right, 2%. and we think that was
3: the problem, it, yeah yeah
2: and at two percent you're talking you know just say you've forty, you know forty sixty million you're talking like eight hundred thousand to one point two million dead, and my yes. question is when you know and this is a question I've not to have anybody ask, but when does falseity go back and say, you know what I was right the first time around, maybe it's closer to point one point two point three which is what my c d c is saying
3: uh yeah he it, it's tough to roll that back. And it's tough to roll that back because he's made his bed into the vaccine. And um, it's going to be very, very difficult to to figure out what what he does because all the data is pointing the other direction. If if you pull the CDC's own uh, case surveillance file, which, by the way, is going to update through October or through the end of September tomorrow. We're super excited about that because it'll give us more data. But we see that the hospitalization rates, the ICU to hospitalization rates, the death to hospitalization rates, and the CFR, the case fatality rate, are dropping like a fly from their early days in April. It's because we, we know more about the virus. But also, there's a lot of other stuff going on that we need to understand. Uh, all of it points to a less deadly virus than had ever been supposed. And it's going to take um, some eating of humble pie. Uh, and we actually, just as I'm speaking now, I'm looking at our website, rationalground.com. Uh, we have what is one of my better Photoshop uh, additions here, uh, Dr. Fauci, surrounded by a herd of buffalo. A herd of cows here. Uh, it's uh, by one of our great authors, Andrew Boston, who uh, goes through educating Dr. Fauci as to herd immunity. So, if you want a fantastically technical deep dive into herd immunity, go to RationalGround.com and you'll see the the big uh, the big Dr. Fauci staring at you, surrounded by cows in the field. There.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Because uh, because the second aspect of Scott Atlas will be the lockdown itself. I mean he basically has questioned that and I know we like I say I'm in the process of finishing up you know, i you know, we're gonna be doing a second you know, you know, Dr. Riley's gonna be doing a second study on our behalf and I'll be and I'm working on some data myself. And and I think, you know, and, and I and I guess I can understand in March when we had that let's take let's take that fifteen days, thirty original days, but at that point the lockdown has proven to be a disaster from that point on, and right. and, it, and I always thought to myself, the mistake we made was after the initial thirty days, following the Swedes' methodology, we would be no worse off in deaths, but our economy would be so much better. Uh, I mean, I'm looking. I mean, here's a you know thought that that I can you know I just kind of looked at and researched myself is. You look at the top 25 states with unemployment, uh, For uh, being a partisan that I am, I'll remind everybody, 18 out of those top 25 have Republican governors. But the average unemployment for the top 25% is 6.4%. Right. 6.4%. And, and then I looked at the uh, 1957 pandemic. Which in many ways was similar in lethality to what was today.
3: Yes, correct.
2: Yeah. And they went from four percent to seven point five percent before they went down. In other words, they never hit 13 14, 15, you know, fourteen percent, twelve percent, or even eight percent. It stopped at seven and a half and went down. And as, and and of course the problem you also went into is you know, government policies can also lead to high unemployment so it's trying to distinguish between what the pandemic did versus government policy and my thought was right. and i'm still in this belief we should be no more at six percent we should be at six percent we should be close to where the Agreed. top 25 states are or even the yeah. top 34 states because we got 30 no i think the, percent of the sta- yeah yeah 68 percent of the states have unemployment under the national average
3: I think that's accurate, and, uh, you know, you, you, you put together this great paper that you sent me uh, discussing yeah. the states, their uh, their lockdown procedures, and a correlation to deaths and cases, and of course, yeah. uh, there is no distinct correlation between heavy lockdown states and lower cases. In fact, the inverse is true, and we've found that to be the case as well, that the, the harder you lock yeah. down, the more cases and the more deaths you have.
2: Well, here's the other thing, too, that comes in place, because... You know, first one and one. Dr. Riley, he did that study for us. This is his second lockdown study. He did one in April. So this is for, and he's now doing a, and he's thinking about doing one more based on additional data where, I mean, he literally, so this is like number two that he's done. And I think he's the only, uh, only research at this point that's basically followed up his original lockdown. And he found the same thing he found mm-hmm. originally, namely that. You know, it you know, questioned to beneficially avid, but which kind of brings me to Cal. Because here's the problem you run into is the bottom ten states. You know, are all double digits from forty-one to fifty. They're all double digits, and we're talking Ohio, Illinois, California, New York. You know, you know, three of the bigger Popular states. We're talking about over a hundred million people, and they're averaging by twelve percent unemployment which is basically keeping the unemployment numbers much higher than what they should be.
3: So.
2: It is. What gotcha. It is. Yeah.
3: I think there's going to be, there's going to, there's going to be some reckoning to deal with. And in fact, one of the goals that we have at rational ground is to produce um, a lot of the collateral and the data that we have to um, arm people on a local basis, County, state, federal, so that, Nothing like this ever happens again without the right checks and balances in place. It's amazing. Who knew that your local County health officer could have so much rule over your life. Right. And they're unelected. Yeah. And so there needs to be some accountability in this whole thing. And we're hoping to, to bring that to, uh, to the public there. Well,
2: let me ask it. Yeah. Let me, let me put in Cause the other aspect, cause here's the other thing that scares me. We got about a few minutes left, but this is the other point that, you know, to me with the Scott Atlas is the politicization of science. Scott Atlas essentially is saying, look, we got eight months. We can now kind of look at after eight months, you know, what went wrong, what went right, and where we need to be going down the road. And certainly, you know, I look at California where you have a pretty low death total on a per capita basis of all of the top 10 Popular states. It's like the least number. And you have already mentioned, at least in Southern California, the herd immunity stepped in. Now, Northern California, you know, I think you mentioned on the last show, may be different. But here's my problem. If we're at this point where we can't have a scientific debate, you'll say, boy, we made that mistake. Yeah. And we're going to have political science. It- we're going to end up with
3: bad Public policy. Well, it's going to be very difficult. And look, I I, I have lots of kids. I have seven kids. I've got uh, two that are under three years old. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of more. You know, all these. I love kids. Uh, but the, the the challenge was, uh, you know, I've never been an anti-immunology person. I've gotten my kids immunized. I've maybe uh, stretched them out a bit because I, I want to make sure that uh, you know I have to deal with them sick at home anyway. So, uh, but. I'm now starting to question a lot, knowing how the sausage is made, looking at COVID, looking at this, the uh, the politics that's involved with this science. It makes me question a lot. Of course, you know, all I have to do is go back to the FDA school care maybe, and, and now question everything in my life uh, growing up in the eighties. But at, at the same time, I, I have to take a step back and say, um, you know, our scientists are human uh, and humans, as much as we try to adhere to the science are human, and they err. And um, the best ones I know, the best scientists that I've dealt with during this whole endeavor, uh, have been the ones that are very, very keen on uh, being self-aware, right? Now, look, again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist. I'm a very good data guy, though. And uh, here, let me take you off my... I think my headset is... Uh, is right there. So uh, I'm a very good data guy, right? And I wouldn't normally... Right. Um, I wouldn't normally insert myself into other people's domains, but they sure seem to be inserting themselves into my domain, my life, my kids' education, my work, my church, myself. Forgive me if I check your math, and it turns out their math is wrong. So th- that's where I come yeah. from from this perspective.
2: Okay, well, here's the, the last thing, and then I'm going to give you a chance uh, is this, because the to me, the big battle is going to be climate change. And the same methodology of starting off with models to base policies is used on a much larger scale. We've seen what happens when you have bad signs leading to bad policy. The bad policy of climate change, I mean, let's just put it this way. People will die worldwide in the billion if the policy recommendation of the climate alarmists are actually followed. And I think that's that's just, yeah. And that, and the thing is, we've seen what happens when you put bad policy, you end up with bad economic policies. Bad science can lead to bad policy that can kill people. We're here, we're talking tens of thousands of people who probably are dying, but that we're going to be talking in the billions worldwide, yeah. When we're talking about the elimination of fossil fuel, what I I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm going to give you a chance to talk about how people can get a hold of you and also RationalThought.org.
3: Sure. Yeah, go to uh, rational, RationalGround.com is our website. Uh, my uh, my oh, Twitter. You Sorry. No problem. You're uh, And my, uh, my Twitter is uh, Justin underscore heart. You can find all my contact information in the profile. Feel free to email me there. Uh, but we're, we're super excited to be part of uh, your show here and, and glad that you had us on again.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. This is Tom Donaldson. Uh, Next week, Coco Konske will be joining me uh, here on the Block Talk Radio Network, Dr. Larry. And don't forget, 3 a.m., 10 a.m. every day on the Bachelor News.airtime.pro, you can listen to repeats of this great show and other great shows we've had. And we've had two great shows this particular week. This is Tom Donaldson saying good night.
1: You know, it's the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm Dr. Larry Fedewa, and I'm your host for the hour. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the the so-called debate that we had last night uh, regarding from the uh, two presidential candidates. And uh, I'm going to start with my own sort of quick uh, assessment. And... uh, We'll leave the details to our and, and other opinions to our, our uh, distinguished guests. Uh, personally, I was disappointed. I can sympathize with President Trump's impatience with the arrogance of the so called moderators of presidential debates. He undoubtedly learned his lesson from his first debate when he was booby-trapped by Megyn Kelly's insulting question regarding his attitude toward women. However, even I was shocked when he interrupted Mr. Biden's first answer of the night. From then on, the so-called debate consisted mostly of two monologues, sometimes three when Chris Wallace tried to regain control of the conversation, often at the same time. I hope someone reminds the principals that when they all talk at once, the audience cannot understand what anyone is saying. And then there's poor little Chris Wallace. After the first introduction, he looked like a first-grade teacher realizing that she had lost control of her class. After Chris uh, insisted on a disputed factual item, Mr. Trump observed that he was now debating two adversaries. This was early in the encounter, and afterwards, Wallace might as well have been standing beside Biden as far as Trump was concerned. Mr. Biden maintained his poise for most of the program, only once nearly losing his temper when the topic turned to allegations against his son, Hunter, for corruption. He refused to answer, however, a number of questions, including the important issue of his intention uh, to pack the Supreme Court. There remained a number of those issues where the factual basis was in dispute including the status of Obamacare, its benefits or lacks thereof, the validity of mail-in ballots, the effect of the Trump tax cuts, and the credit for the economic revival of 2017 and 18, The audience received no justification from either side on these and other issues. The style of the entire exercise was set and controlled by Donald J. Trump. The result was very distasteful television. For this, Mr. Trump will pay a price. While he came across without question as the dominant personality, this impression was achieved by an angry persona with no trace of humor or the folksiness of his famous rallies. Neither man appeared particularly likable, but Biden could at least be pictured at your kitchen table well, Trump did not seem likely to be invited into your house. Nobody really mi- wins a contest of this kind, but Mr. Biden came out ahead on points, in my opinion. Before the next deb- debate, someone had better negotiate with Trump directly regarding the rules of the conversation. public will conclude, quote, a pox on both your houses. And switch to Dancing with the Stars if they haven't already. And that's my comment for the for this uh, program. And I'd like to introduce our uh, two guests tonight. Uh, to we have uh, two Navy veterans of the United States Navy. In fact, that uh, they're both proud of. And uh, uh, the first is. Uh, Dr. uh Mr. Uh, or uh, the Honorable Bob Livingston, who's the former, long-time member of the House of Representatives and former chairman of the Budget Committee, and Chris Kettner, who is a, a prominent and long veteran political commentator, who's also the speech consultant for 31 different political campaigns, and gentlemen to the Dr. Larry Show uh chris uh do you want to start tonight
4: i just want to say hi doc and hi congressman how you doing bob
1: doing fine chris good to be with you again both of you <laughs> yeah you uh, guys are thank you for team. having me on
4: <laughs> well i got well, a lot to say but you know open you know give us a little bait there so we can take 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 it
1: take it well what do you think of my comments
4: I thought your comments were great. I don't agree with them necessarily 100 um, percent because there was – I watched that debate over and over again to see exactly what the points that were being taken. And even though you're right, it was a food fight, uh, and it was disruptive, to me, the person that made the most sense, the clearest point, points, and sounded like he knew what he was talking about the most was clearly President Donald Trump.
1: Bob
0: yeah I think i I totally agree with that chris uh uh doc your uh your, your opening statement was good, but I think you came on the wrong side of the points i uh, <laughs> uh, I think that uh Trump was the only one that uh, really knew what he was talking about and actually uh used facts and figures uh, to substantiate what he said uh, I do agree. Uh, that his demeanor was was terrible but when you say that biden looked like the good guy at the uh, at the table i say absolutely not he called the president of the united states uh a clown he told him to shut up he t- told him to ignore he him he, he was totally racist. disrespectful he was as disrespectful of, of the president of the united states as anybody could be so and then i'll add that into the fact that uh chris wallace uh for whom i have uh uh well, I've I've known him a very long time. Always kind of liked him, but I thought he did a terrible job. He was not only the uh, school teacher uh, looking for uh, an ability to control, but when he did control the, the debate, he was coming down and debating, actively debating uh, President Trump, and he was ignoring all of the evasions, the lies, and the and the uh, inaccuracies and the failure to respond. Uh, by uh, by uh, Mr. Biden So I just and, think and, uh, and On the margin, I'll, I'll say one last thing And then I'll shut up
4: <laughs>
0: it, it's a No, don't no, shut up
4: this, We got an hour to talk Don't shut up <laughs> no, but to, to, to,
0: to, I just want to quote Joe Biden And I'll shut up uh, but I, I, There's a poll out today That says uh, that uh, The Hispanic population was, po- was polled And that they thought sixty percent to 40 percent that trump was the overwhelming winner if he gets anywhere near that kind of vote and if he can increase his african-american vote he will definitely be the next president of the united states
4: and you know i caught on to that poll last night i talked to dr larry about it today it was telemundo television radio station that did that poll they're no friends of donald trump um, but they can't deny what the hispanic community said
1: Well, I think that really is relevant, certainly, to the outcome of the election. But um, do you know what the sample was, uh, either of you? No.
4: I don't know what the sample was, but I do know that it it broke very early last night. I mean, within an hour after the debate, maybe the second hour, I was watching the different shows as it went on through the night.
1: And they immediately
4: put that up, and I said, wow, you know, they want strength. They're looking for strength. They're looking for law and order. And they left their countries to be in a place where they were safe. And that's not what's happening to them today. Exactly.
0: That's true. And Biden refused to uh, acknowledge uh, uh, any of the the lawlessness that's been going on uh, by uh, Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter and the riots in the cities. Uh he 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 didn't take credit for it and then uh it was, it was uh several positions uh that, that are printed on his website. I and mean, he's on one side. Oh it was the Green New Deal. He categorically said he was against the Green New Deal. His yeah. website, somebody checked out today, it's right there. He's for the Green New Deal. Which is a Joe Biden.
4: Uh, yeah. he, well, he lied so much, and and Chris Wallace was an enabler in my opinion. Even when he asked him about Black Lives Matter, he, he danced around the question would not answer it, um, and then he wouldn't answer packing the court like you said. And then the things he said were just – even if somebody that's not tuned into the news like we are knows they weren't true. They just couldn't possibly be true what this man was saying.
1: Well, hang on, hold that thought, and you're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bastard News Radio Network.
4: You know, before Boost, our phone bill was obscene. We switched to Boost and got lines for the whole family with unlimited gigs for a much more family-friendly price. It's nice to have a phone bill that doesn't require parental controls. Your
3: family deserves better. Get four lines for only $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. Plus, get up to four free Samsung J7 perks with six months of Hulu where you can stream all the shows everyone is talking about, all on the super-reliable and super-fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save.
1: Welcome back to the uh, Dr. Larry Show, it's also the home of the uh, Donaldson Files. Uh, Donaldson, Tom Donaldson and Coco Konski discuss politics from the right and the left while giving you entertainment news and guests. Listen live every Tuesday and Wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com la bachelor and every day at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern day- Daylight Time uh, at uh, the, the Bachelor News. Airtime. Pro. And if you're interested in having your own show or advertising, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and uh, stay informed. So we're talking to our guests tonight, and uh, we're uh, getting our uh, our various uh impressions of the uh, of this uh, debate last night to see whether this whole thing is uh, uh, gonna uh, what kind of an effect do you think this is going to have on the uh, on the electoral on after all if you have a hundred million people listening to the darn uh, radio, uh, TV set then uh, seems like uh, you have a chance really to uh, give a um, make a real impact on, the, on, the, uh, on the, uh, uh, the outcome of the election itself. So um, what do you can think? Can I make of, the point what, real quick? Yeah, can go I make ahead. the
4: point here, Dr. Larry? It's right, it's right before we get to this. I watched this with my wife last night, and I don't want the audience to think that we're blinded by the fact that we vote for Trump. That's really not the issue I don't even like the man in a lot of ways. I like his policies. But when it comes to the suburban women, I watched my wife very closely last night to see what her reaction was. It took her till today to not think Trump did a bad job. She had to watch replays, watch sound bites to understand because it, he, he was a little bit, like if I was advising, him, way too aggressive. Now, he had to be because of the situation, but at the same time, I don't think he necessarily helped him except for the part about safety with the women in suburbia in America, but I don't think he hurt himself. But my wife, was she was turned off by the fact that he kept interrupting. It was a food fight, and she didn't like that because she couldn't get a chance to understand each person's
1: viewpoint,
4: and Trump did the most interrupting in all fairness that's what happened
1: well my, my I watched my wife too and, and she never did come around she she felt that uh, we had a pretty uh a pretty bad uh situation here with the uh, President of the United States acting the way he did, and uh therefore she uh did not forgive him in the least so uh, I guess that that doesn't probably give, gives it gives us a sample of two <laughs> but uh, um, i think i think I think it hurt and 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 i don't i don't necessarily uh i hope it didn't because frankly uh, if there, if we have to make a choice uh, which we will uh, between these two uh, candidates. Uh, I think there's no there's no question in my mind that we have to we have to choose Trump simply because the alternative is uh, I see it as socialism.
4: And that's the other well,
1: point. Let me, time, let me on, chime here.
0: in, guys, uh, if I can. Right. Sure. I, I got a wife too, and and she's pretty critical of Trump, uh, and and I, I think uh, felt uh, much like your wives did, uh, although. Uh, you have to. It, 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 we don't have a a lot of options. Uh, we we're talking about uh, uh, staying home and looking at uh, uh, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, fact is that we we have a binary choice. We've got uh, Trump or Biden. Uh, I really don't think that Biden handled himself well. I thought he was uh, disrespectful, uh, but he. I think he hurt himself. Uh, because he's, he's torn. He's got the hard left, uh, the rioters and the wackos out there, uh, the Marxists, uh, that he's trying to his best to appease. He's not on his A game. He, 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 he stood up last night, and he didn't really uh, uh, falter like he has and screw up like he has uh, so many times over the last six months. And so everybody thinks, well, he did a great job. But he was disrespectful to the president, I, and I don't think he had a grasp of any facts. And uh, if now he's got himself in a kind of a bad situation. If he, he says he is the Democrat Party, well, he, he forgets the fact that he, fin- he signed the manifesto, the 80-page manifesto uh, with uh, Bernie Sanders, which is a, a platform for hardcore uh, uh, lunatic leftists. Uh, with all of the grab bag stuff that they they want, and now he's got to go back and answer to that wing of his party. They haven't decided yet. I suppose that they're going to definitely vote for Joe Biden. They may not. They may try to go Dancing with the Stars. They may take a walk. And he so he can't afford to alienate them. But at the same time, if he doesn't stand up to them, he loses the middle. So he's in a dilemma. Trump knows exactly where he is. He tells people where he is every day. He is obnoxious about telling them uh, where he is. And he, he was uh, too aggressive last night, and he, it was a bad debate performance. But you can't say that he wasn't strong in his beliefs or that he was terribly inconsistent. Uh, he was, or that he, was he wasn't for 100%.
4: America 100%.
0: Right.
4: Or, and, and, and if I may add this one thing, I do believe where he fell short to me was that he did not make a clear distinction in one of those two-minute times he could talk. He didn't make a clear distinction, choice of this, or you have a choice of this. You can live the way we're living and grow, or we can have rioting in the streets. We can have this, this, and it's total socialism. He didn't, he didn't make that crystal clear smoothly to me you know it was disjointed it was over a period of time he's going to do this they're going to do that but not he had two minutes to make that clear and he didn't to me i
0: I agree but he he does have two more debates if biden shows up
4: oh oh absolutely absolutely there and you know i don't know maybe my memories have started to fail me but where was their closing statement (laughs) where was there was no where 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 (laughs) was the opening I know. Have you? Ever, I, I've always seen one. I thought, don't they usually have at least either an opening or a closing statement? They had yeah, either. I, I just
0: thought the, the format was bad. <laughs> Chris Wallace wasn't strong at all. Uh, and when he, where he did assert himself, I thought he asserted himself against Trump, not against Biden.
4: Correct.
1: Well, I think I think that the main impression I had of. Uh, uh, of, of, uh, about Biden was just, he's just so vague. I mean, everything is just, it, you know, he, he wants you to pay attention to all the, all the great, uh, uh, spirit that they have. And the, but nothing, there's nothing, nothing at all that is very, uh, definite or very factual or, I mean, it's, it's like he's running for some kind of fantasy, uh, I I just I just can't I I just can't swallow it.
0: Well, I I I agree and and that's a problem for him because since he's been putting a lid on all his appearances and and effectively hiding down in his bunker for the last 6 months uh and making very very few uh, uh appearances around the country, uh there is no real enthusiasm for him. You can say, with varying degrees, you go to one neighborhood and they hate Trump, and you go to another neighborhood and they love Trump, uh, there's there's very little uh, in the middle of the road apathy. But there's a lot of apathy aimed toward uh, uh, Joe Biden, and that means that he is not giving people a hell of a, long, a big reason to go to the polls and vote for him.
4: No, the only reason they're going to vote for him is to get rid of Trump. They have no platform to stand on.
1: Right. Yeah, and that and that really is a very very weak premise. You know, it. <clears throat> uh, but you know, it's, it it is strong in the sense that there are a lot of people that just don't don't like him. I mean, they don't like him to the point that they want to uh, they want to get rid of him. Even if, even if, they, I mean, they're not even listening to arguments in favor of him, uh, and, and I think that this whole socialist thing is is the is the main argument, in my opinion. But he doesn't but make Dr. that Larry, very often either.
4: But Dr. Larry, is that really true? I've heard this, and I've heard it so much that I really don't believe it. They are all saying they hate Trump. Well, they hate. Anybody that's a Republican president that wins, it's just escalated over the years with Gore and Bush. They call him Bush Hitler. They, they attack everything about his family, him. This has just been escalating because Obama put it, advanced the theory of socialism with the redistribution, redistribution of the wealth. They had eight years of that. Well, this man turned already – an eight-year swing by winning, he cost them four years of advancing, and then he also took four years of this stuff and set it back. I'm not sure that it's the hatred for the man as much as it is any man that would have won. They would have hated just as much. Remember, before he was president, they all loved this man, everybody, including the media.
1: That's well, true, and,
0: and if you if you look back uh, through history – uh they 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 took out richard nixon they hated him so badly uh they they thought that reagan was a stupid fool and did nothing but demean him in the media uh for his whole time uh and, and of course he was uh, what i believe to be now the second most uh, impressive uh, successful president uh, at least in a four year period uh, and uh and then the bushes uh both uh, got Uh, severely attacked and and, lambasted uh, the democrats just can't accept losing they can't accept a loss and they they actually put together a conspiracy to undermine the president of the united states that has now been shown after four long years to be a total fabrication in the minds of hillary clinton
4: it was a bloodless coup in my opinion attempt it was a bloodless coup attempt that's what it was, and I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it.
1: This has changed the subject a little bit, but what do you guys think of uh, Durham? I mean, what the heck is taking so long? Good question. I have
4: my views on that, but we'll let um, the congressman, the honorable congressman, go first.
0: <laughs>
4: well,
0: I, I, I keep thinking he's going to come up with something, but I'm, I'm wondering where it is. Look, I, I was a prosecutor at one time. i I know what it takes to put together a case, and, and some of those cases are pretty damn simple. Uh, and I don't see why they have to wait to have everything done when they have an open-up-and-shut case. They, they finally uh, got around only a month ago to uh, indict the guy that was uh, clearly—he uh, lied right on the face of the, a public document to, to the court to the uh, FISA court, and, and they indicted him. Uh, well, did they flip him? Are they using him as evidence? I don't know. I, I I thought we'd have answers by midsummer, and we don't have any answers now, and I'm just disappointed.
1: Yeah, but okay, my okay, is I'm he sorry, one God. of our guys?
4: I think he's a neutral. I, I think he's a. I think he's neutral.
1: I think he's I a. a, 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 a hard... I want him to yeah, be I neutral. A... I just want him to do something. Yeah, I think he I think he's worse than neutral.
4: Well, here's what I think. I, I've always thought it was going to be an October surprise, even though it's not a surprise to us. But I also know that – remember who we're dealing with, who we're trying to convict here. We're trying to convict um, – remember, Obama was a constitutional law professor. Um, Hillary Clinton was a lawyer.
1: Um, all
4: of these people have – head of the FBI, all these people know that gray area. They know how to walk around in that gray area and just they maybe do everything almost illegal, but not to the degree that you can maybe convict them. And that's a really – you being a former prosecutor, um, Congressman, that to me is like with as big and sprawled out as this case was. They're trying to get those big fish, but at the same time, there's a lot of – They, they got to be able to prove it. And, and, get, a, and get, a, get, a, get a conviction, not just throw the stuff out there like the Democrats did.
1: Well, well hold that I thought. don't want them. I don't want G- them to gentlemen, go Gentlemen, we, we got to take a little break here. You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
3: I know they're looking. Everyone's staring. A
4: scab from a cold sore is so embarrassing, you feel like everyone notices. Get new Campophonique cold sore treatment for scab relief. The only one targeted for the scab, the
2: worst part of a cold sore. Its special formula provides maximum strength pain relief. Plus, it seals in moisture to help prevent cracking, to promote healing. So now, you'll be noticed for other things. Nice haircut, Lisa. Campophonique stops pain, promotes healing, and embarrassment.
1: Welcome back to the Dr. Larry Show, it's also the home of the Bachelor News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Bachelor. The show discusses issues of race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, and sports that affect black, brown, and poor people negatively. Listen live every Monday and Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com slash L.A. Bachelor and the rebroadcast every day at 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And 3 p.m. Eastern Time at the Bachelor News. Airtime. Pro. And if you're interested in having your own show or advertising, email us at the LA Bachelor 40 at gmail.com and listen and stay informed by all of the different perspectives. So we're talking to our guests tonight, Bob Livingston and uh, Chris Kettner, and uh, we're uh, Talking, we were been talking. We had been talking mainly about that debate last night, but uh, we also got. I, I I'm interested in in this whole business of Mister Durham because I, I I'm beginning to think that he's on the other side. Um,
0: can I add uh, one
1: thing, I, uh, by the way? Bob, do you know him?
0: No, I I don't know him. I mean, I, I and all I can say is that his reputation is unimpeachable. He's supposed to be a, a, a solid career uh, prosecutor, and I, I wouldn't attribute any uh, ill motives to him uh, other than uh, the delay is is, is terribly disappointed. Uh, I, I will say that when you get into something as complex as this thing evidently was, and we're covering continents, uh, various countries, uh, Australia, Italy, Russia, etc., uh, it, it's got to be uh, complex. But there are certain things that could be disposed of and put out in public and, and, and moved, on, moved on from. And that includes any small poly, uh, of, of, of prosecutions that would put pressure on these people. Remember, this guy, uh, this FBI agent, has not been sentenced. So they've got something heavy on him. If he if he 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 stands to go to prison for at least 5 to 10 years. Uh if he's not cooperating, uh then I'd like to know why. They can put out the put as much of the record uh, out there for, for the public to see that 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 allows the American people to make up their own minds. I've followed this thing intently for the last uh, of, of 3 years, 4 years, whatever it almost four. And, and I know everything that's happened, and and, and I, I think I can make a pretty good case that certain people should go to prison. But it's not my job. It's his job. And I think he needs to uh, not duck beyond the elections to uh, expose it. I think he needs to come out with something strong, a, a report, or uh, whatever it takes, to let people know exactly what happened. We, we're, we're finding out – drips and drabs if you want somebody that to, i doubt is on the right side i'd say christopher ray who's the head of the fbi because uh-huh. he's been uh, stuffing this stuff for a long time uh but i don't blame durham i just wish he'd just move faster i got and uh, but i remember I think that this pro-
4: also go ahead
0: do it well i just was going to say by- i think as a prosecutor he can't he can't be one side or the other he's, he's just got to follow the facts wherever they
1: go. Yeah, but the whole the whole justice the whole FBI and Justice Department on one side there under Obama. But not they're not now. Bar Barr
0: is a straight shooter.
4: Barr is a straight shooter, but here's the situation. Just like that information that was released yesterday that the FBI had been slow walking for the last year and a half, the stuff with Hillary Clinton. Well, he can only go so fast if the, if the FBI and the bureaucracy is hiding stuff, they still don't have a copy of the original 302. They still don't have that copy They've been answered for two or three years.
0: They That's still right.
4: can't get a copy. They still can't. So the man – and Barr made a statement about a year ago. He said he doesn't want to report. He said he wants indictments. He said that on national television interview. He said, I'm, I don't want to report from, from Durham. I want indictments. I want the people that did it to be held accountable. That that well, universe. I do
0: too, but I don't. You're not. I, I'm not naive enough to think that they'll ever touch Hillary, or Obama, or Biden. Correct. Uh, I think that I think there's culpability there, but I just doubt that anything will ever happen to them. But I, as far well, I told, as uh, Comey is concerned, Comey and, and, and possibly Brennan and and, uh, and and McCabe and Strzok, those people are clearly guilty. They're clearly guilty of of obstructing justice and and doing a vendetta, a coup against the president of the United States. And I I just don't understand why we haven't seen more about that.
4: Well, you know, I told my wife a few years ago when this was going on, because I'm a little jaded in certain areas. Like, Bob, you've been around the block, and you know what I'm talking about when I say this. I told my wife, I said, look, here's how this is going to end up. The Democrats are going to get their three or four scalps. Um, The Republicans are going to fire back, and they're going to get their three or four or five scalps. And at the end of the day, all of a sudden, it's going to disappear into the archives of American history because it's too sensitive for the American public to know. And it's just going to fade away in time. I said in maybe 50 years from now, 25 years from now, we'll end up knowing, like with Kennedy assassination or whatever, we'll end up knowing what may have really happened during that bloodless coup.
0: How do we know two, three... who killed Kennedy?
4: <laughs> no, yeah. we still don't know that. That's what I'm saying. I said that two or three years ago. That's how I thought, and it's shaking out so far because you know, if the Democrats win, you will never hear another
0: word of this.
1: I hope you're wrong, but I, uh, I, I can see it happening. I mean, uh, to me, there's no reason why it should have taken this long. Uh, you know, even, especially when you had, you had. Uh, the Congress, yeah, you had, you had the whole Congress for two years. Uh.
4: Look at the Mueller, Look at Mueller's group. They all um, wiped out their phones. Every one of me eras- had their phones professionally erased. Everyone that was on his his team, who does that doing a, doing a an impeachment hearing? Erase all your phones.
0: That's that. And Hillary erased thirty thousand emails. I mean, that's a a clear violation of the law right then and there, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to make a a quick case on obstruction of justice surrounded on those specific events.
4: And here's what I thought really was the real deal back in the time. I thought that Barack Obama, you notice he decided to move and live in Washington, D.C. I thought that the real deal was he knew Hillary was a lock on winning. He was gonna control her because he knew about the server. He knew about all her skeletons in the closet. He was gonna control her from his house in Washington, and she was going to be his puppet. The reason he made her Secretary of State was so that he could gather whatever, you know, keep your enemies close to you as you can. They do hate each other. But what happened, when Trump came in, it threw everything in that plan off, and they had to do something to counteract what the master plan was of Hillary going in there as a moderate liberal Working really behind the scenes Barack Obama pulling the strings
0: And The first person they went after Is General Flynn
4: That's the exactly guy who what would he have knew. Unco-
0: He would have uncovered everything
4: Yeah, That's exactly correct And they knew that And I, that's what I believe And I've believed it since the beginning of the thing Well Um uh, now that we're very positive about American government,
1: yeah. <laughs> now, now that we've uh, tattooed everybody, um, so um, well. So I guess I guess the, the 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 I had I had a comment on on your uh, earlier analysis, uh, Chris, regarding the um, regarding the election. You know, I don't think it's really a question so much of uh, of having the uh, extremists ever changing their minds and, and, and voting for Trump. I think I think that, that the whole issue really is the uh, four or five percent of the um, American electorate that actually have not committed either or at least they're persuadable uh, either way. And I think those are the people that that really, uh, have to be uh, uh, considered as the uh, as the prize in all of this uh, discussion, and and that is the group that I think uh, we're we're not we're, we're we're really turned off by this this uh, performance last night, and and I think that Trump himself has made a lot of mistakes in in that regard because. Uh, he, a lot of people are still remembering uh, him from uh from the last the last uh election cycle when he took down all of their the, the reigning icons of the uh, republican party by uh you know pretty 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 strenuous means and i think that that he really is, has hurt himself uh it's not entirely uh you know a, a done deal but but I I think that that is that's who you're really talking about here, and and that's that's why um, I think it, it's it was important that that he pulled in his horns a little bit last uh, in the last go round last night.
4: Well, Wolf Bob, Fletcher's you're you're kind of night, the, he doesn't even think there's going to be another debate. Wolf Fletcher already is laying the groundwork. He's saying he doesn't even think that there should be another debate. That's what Wolf Blitzer said last
0: night. <laughs> huh. Well, neither neither does Nancy Pelosi. Correct. I mean, I, I, as far and, as Trump's concerned, he needs the debates. He needs to keep trying, and he needs to get better, no doubt about it. Biden may not think he needs debates, but he's got to turn his vote out, and I just don't think that uh, he's given enough reason for anybody to turn out for him. Uh, hiding in the basement just doesn't do anything at all.
4: What the people don't realize, he's not even the real candidate. That is not right. the real – he is not. He is a straw man. <laughs> Look, I'm, hey, laugh as you want, Dr. Larry. I'm telling you, two I and a half years ago, two and a half years ago, Barack Obama said that his next pick was a woman in California that was the female, Barack Obama. And I've been researching her name was um Harris. And I've been reading about that girl, researching her for two and a half years. Now, that was going to be the candidate. She didn't do well in the primary. Biden is a straw man. Once he gets in office, I believe within the first six months, he will retire because of health reasons. She will become president. Not only will she be she the first female president, she'll be the first black female president. She'll also be the first black female vice president. And all of the cronies, Beto O'Rourke, all of them will now have positions in our government, and it will become completely radicalized and socialized. That is the plan.
0: And that's my fear, but that's also the reason why I don't think uh, that Trump's going to lose.
4: That's correct, and that's why I don't think Trump's going to lose either. But there's no question in my mind that he's a straw man.
0: I agree with that. I don't think he's physically capable or mentally capable of lasting more than a couple of months. Correct. I, I thought
4: 120 days just so they think, make it look real. But he'll be gone. He'll never serve out a year in his term. And, and that's going to be intentional. He just wants to be president in his legacy. That's it. He sold his soul to the radical left so he can say in his legacy he was a president. That's it.
0: And he, uh, he no, sold his son. To, he sold his son to uh, uh, Ukraine, to, to uh, China, and to Moscow.
4: That's correct. That's exactly right. There's never been an intent for him serving our country with distinction and honor to serve the people. It's not even close to what's real. Doctor Larry, I don't hear you saying anything. You that's a, a pretty grim theory? picture. <laughs> well, that's it's. A, how can right. anybody not see that? How can you not see it? The man's not fit to be a president of the United States.
1: Well, we got to take a break here. Um, uh, you're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio. Having trouble
2: with math or science homework? Call Rose-Holman Institute of Technology's Homework Hotline, a free math and science tutoring service for Indiana students in grades 6 to 12. Call toll-free one eight seven seven ask Rose from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday through Thursday. And the Rose Holman College student will help you with your math or science questions. The tutors are patient, smart, and pretty cool. Remember, it's a free service and a free call. That's one eight seven seven A askrose Or visit AskRose.org. Your mother-in-law just dropped in. It's dinner time and she looks hungry. Time for a quick dinner. Think fast. Think eggs. Like an omelet with tomatoes and cheese. Quick, easy, delicious. So, she loves dinner, compliments your creativity, and finally admits you're not a shameless social climber who stole her baby boy away. All thanks to the Incredible
0: Edible Egg.
2: For other quick dinner, lunch, and snack ideas, visit AEB.org.
1: The Incredible Edible Egg. The American Egg Board. You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and uh gentlemen we uh that's our last break now we've got twenty minutes with no with no more breaks <laughs> so uh i i i guess, um, i guess i guess the uh implications of what you're talking about chris are are i pretty are pretty evident and and uh, uh that is also what i'm afraid of and i think that that's for me uh, the the clinching reason for voting for uh for uh mr Trump although I must admit that uh, many of his uh, uh, many of his accomplishments are are almost superhuman frankly uh the fact the fact that he he saw this uh, this whole middle east situation in an entirely different light than the received wisdom and started Right at the beginning of his his uh, presidency, in, in a very very sophisticated uh, complex uh, program for how to how to bring about a uh, uh, standoff, if not peace, in the Middle East, uh, I, I think that was just phenomenal. Uh, the fact that he is sort of stalled, and in, in, in fact, in general, the in, the uh, foreign policy issues. Uh, are, are 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 really w- almost beyond the understanding. I, I guess they really are, of the uh, of the press who don't know much about anything except how to write stories that, based on the latest gossip, um, and and uh, and then on the uh, uh, on the domestic side, um, a lot of he, he's basically going by the Reagan playbook which I have some uh, problems with, but uh, it, it's amazing what he's been able to do, even with, even with a hostile uh, House of Representatives. So um, I think there is a strong case that the, the, the problem the guy has is that he just doesn't know exactly when he's stepping on his own message. Uh, but anyway, you were saying but, that, but here, that I, I didn't but have the, any comments. That that's basically my comment.
4: But here's the thing, Doctor Larry. Being a speech coach, I looked at many many people have asked me, "Would you like to be the speech coach for President Trump?" The uh, answer is, I'd be fired in two weeks if I lasted that long. I've had many people that are like him, not his his you know where he is as president, but where once they have won. I mean, look, he beat the entire 17 top people in the country. He beat the Clinton machine. He beat the Bush machine. Now, how are you going to tell that man what works and what doesn't work or what he's doing right or what he's going to do and what he's doing wrong? There's, there's only been so many of the presidents in the history of the United States of America out of the billions of people over the history of time of the country. So you can't tell this man it's right or wrong. And we really don't know for sure. That's our opinions. It worked for him to become president. You know, we didn't vote for him to marry him or to date him. We voted for him to go in there and fight for us and to, and have policy that was better for Americans. So, I, I people agree that with that you. Uh, I'll you,
0: chime you in, Chris, if you don't mind. I, yeah, I totally agree with he, you. He, he is strong and uh, he knows where he's going, and he's he, he said what he was going to do, and he's virtually done almost everything he promised he was going to do, uh, and he hasn't deviated. Uh, years ago, before he was even actually running in the campaign, uh, it, before he denounced, uh, he was talked about, and people were asking about it, and I talked with a friend of mine. Whose family, who's second or third generation real estate in New York, and this guy said uh, that he and his family had followed the Trumps, and that they knew Trump personally, did not like him at all. But he said, "I'll tell you one thing, Bob. He said uh, there's one thing, one aspect about Donald Trump that you, you should remember. He said he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose, and that stuck with me ever since." I mean, he he can be down and out, and uh, the the uh, uh, what is it the, la- the last dog in the line, uh, and and all of a sudden pop he he pops up again. I think he's going to do it again. He's he's just uh, uh, an amazing character, uh, and I wouldn't want to try to t- teach him how to debate. But uh, as far as the uh, foreign policy is concerned, it's. it's he has has gone so far beyond anything the Bush has ever conceived of doing uh, and uh, uh, any of the uh, of, of past few presidents on either side of the aisle uh, that were people who dismissed the possibility of uh, uh, resolving an issue in which the Palestinians were involved. He just circumvented the Palestinians, and now three separate world leaders have— nominated him for a Nobel Peace Prize, even though uh, uh, everybody ostensibly doesn't like him and doesn't like the way he acts. Well, when you get nominated for uh, three successive acts uh, that you've accomplished by world leaders, uh, you have to say, well, maybe he's done something a little bit more than Obama, who got a Nobel Peace Prize three months after he got elected, if we're doing absolutely nothing.
4: I'm glad you brought that up because if you didn't, I was going to. <laughs> but I want to say one other thing, and, and Dr. Larry, you said the media you know, can only write about gossip today. I want you – I believe this. See, I don't believe that part at all. I believe the media is a arm of the Democratic Party, the state-run media. It is not freedom of the press. They, they all, if you listen to the stations and you turn the stations day after day and listen, every day their talking point will change. Every single station is using the exact same verbiage, the exact same. They're all getting the same talking points. They're marching to the same music. Now, not, not, not Fox, but even Fox, because the Suns have taken over, are starting to lean left. But the other but it's stages, not just stations,
0: it's, it's networks, different networks. The net,
4: that's what I mean. The networks. That's what I mean. The network. Yeah, that is a is a propaganda arm of the left. They're not just writing gossip because there'd be some bad gossip about other people on the left if they cared to report it. Is they're a state run? They're getting their talking points and they say they even say the exact same words. I mean, how New York Times, The
0: Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, NBC yeah they all like just CBS come up CBS. with the exact
4: same, yeah they all come up with the exact same verbiage every time there's a switch in, in, in another attack it's exact same words no they're being they're, they're it's orchestrated
1: well i think i think I think that's true to some extent um uh, there's also a lot of ignorance frankly um you know these guys. They, they go to they go to journalism school. They hear one kind of uh, one you know the the, the typical establishment uh, dogma that they're that they're all taught is is sacred. And uh, they go they go forth and talk, talk to each other. They go to the same parties. They only see each other for the most part. And uh, and plus they're peripheral guest list, but uh, they really they really, you know, where's the investi- the really, truly investigative reporters? They're writing books now and instead of working for the new, uh, newspapers.
4: Yeah, uh, I because think of Horowitz and guys like that. Yeah, It's entertainment television. When Ted Turner invented 24 hours a day news, that really was the worst thing that ever could happen to this country. Because what happened, instead of us ever getting the news, they had to become Editorialists and everybody had to give an opinion 24 hours a day for the 24 hour news. So it really is it not news, it's entertainment. It's entertainment. That's what it is. They and use, between
0: the entertainment, and it's the narrative.
4: You get a narrative.
0: They create right. a narrative. I love that word. Narrative. <laughs> they, they come <laughs> that, up with a narrative and make all the facts fit to the narrative.
4: That's correct. And then they incess- say it incessantly for the next 24 hours to the new narrative comes. Right. That's exactly what. And in between, that twi- my wife says to me, she says, Why do you watch the same thing over and over again? I said, I'm not watching it over and over again. I said, If you watch it long enough, you'll see there's a tidbit that you didn't get the first time that they said something newsworthy. She says, Well, it sounds like the same thing. I know, but then I've showed her over the years that you might watch the same show three times, but by the time you saw it the third time, they have added something in there that most people never ever see because they think it's a rerun or they think it's playing over again but there's something in there different that's where the news is it's not in all this entertainment crap they're doing
0: i'll just i'll say that john Solomon is a pretty good uh, exception to the rule
4: oh yeah but no, no, to... i'm I'm, t- I'm talking about the, the the bad media i'm talking about the the other uh, no john i know. Solomon i just say
0: I think I think you've you've established the rule and I'm just saying he's a great example of uh as an exception to that rule.
4: And that yeah, girl. Yeah, but he doesn't you know, he works work for
1: it. a network either. You know, he's in No, he,
4: but he's on Fox all the time. John yeah, Coleman but, and that girl.
1: Who's yeah, the girl? Yeah, the, yeah I That I same know girl you mean. that
4: comes on with him all the time. I forgot her name right it, now. But, yeah. but there. But they don't work for the networks. But how could you have McCabe being on your network as an analyst? <laughs> he just got fired from the FBI. That is not uh,
0: Hey, you know where Comey Bren, is? There? Or Brennan? Do you know where no, Comey where, is? No, he, he's the, the head of the ethics department. A head of ethics department at uh, William and Mary.
1: Is that right? <laughs> yep. I Check mean, it, it out. You, you can't
4: make this stuff up. You can't make it up. So. You know, one day I drew a circle on a piece of paper, and I put little lines like spokes to a wheel. And I said, okay, Trump's fighting the Democrats. He's fighting the media. He's fighting the um, Silicon Valley and those people. He's fighting Academia. the establishment. Academ- <laughs> By the time I was done, there's like 17 spokes in the wheel that he's fighting. And then I drew his wheel, and there was like two or three people that on his side.
0: <laughs> and, and then you wonder why he's coming, he came out swinging yesterday <laughs> Correct
4: <laughs> And you know, he finally gave the Republican Party a spine Do you remember yep. Lindsey Graham was a He was a like a, a follower of John McCain Whatever John McCain did, Lindsey Graham yeah.
1: did Yeah, that's right
4: And That's right, and then um, Donald Trump gave him a spine And gave the rest of the people a spine in that Republican Party
1: Um, which was another great
4: thing. I guess we're airing out all the stuff here today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope he wins the election. (laughs) So um, we're getting close to the, uh, well, we've got a little more time here, but um, is the, uh, uh, Bob, uh, what, what are your favorite projects right now? I know you're, uh, getting a lot more control of your time, and I, I assume that you've uh, probably uh, decided that you're gonna you're gonna save the world one way or another. <laughs> so well, what,
0: my, my my ability to save the world has probably passed me by. Uh, <laughs> I just have a hard time keeping up with it. You know, the world has really changed in this last year, not oh, for the boy. better. Uh, it's This COVID thing has destroyed uh, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of jobs uh, for uh, people just trying to get by. They don't know how to, even if they have jobs, two parents, family, uh, both work, have to figure out what to do with their kids because the teachers aren't uh, opening up the schools. Uh, The the businesses themselves, Disneyland just yesterday announced they were going to lay off 35,000 people. Uh, i i just really think this we are really really in troubled times and i think i think trump's right the wuhan virus uh came from wuhan china and uh he's he's sharp to call call them on it and the media just uh obscures that uh but we've got we've got tough issues ahead of us that confront our kids and grandkids i mean i'm 77 years old i don't know I, i'm not too worried about uh, my lifetime now uh but i worry about my kids and grandkids and i was very fortunate to grow up in a wonderful time in history and and i'm not i'm i'm worried that history is turning against them
4: you know bob i had a a thing that i've seen for many many years it's like a thing i it's a picture in my head of me sitting on the porch in a rocking chair with my grandchild in my arms and a tear coming down my eye because i know what freedom was like in this country and i'm afraid they're not going to know that i'm really afraid yeah that they will not know that
0: i hope Victor I Davis Hanson talks uh, just wrote a column recently about uh, uh, the decline of civilizations, beginning with uh, the Greeks and the Romans, and, and carried through any any democracy kind of goes through stages, and the final stages aren't very nice.
4: And I know that nobody wants to talk about this subject, but I'm going to throw it out there because that's the way I do. I don't necessarily believe that Donald Trump, that one man, can do it. I believe. There's only one person that can really save the country overall, and that's God. That's what I believe. And people may not like that, but that's what I believe. the fact that people don't
0: like it is is one of the problems. That's correct.
4: And he may be working through Donald Trump, and I hope he is, but the point is, is that the problems are too big all over the country and all over the world for one man to handle. It's too big. We need God in our schools. We need him in our lives. We need the holidays, if it's Christmas, to be called Christmas. We need God back in the country's
1: lives.
4: And until that, I think we're going down the downward
0: slope.
1: Well, that's a solemn thought. Um, (laughs) I didn't know you had it in you.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've always believed that.
1: Well, we're... um, I, you know, I think, the, I think the other interesting thing that uh, going along with what Bob started there is uh, the fact that uh, organized religion is taking a heck of a hit here because of people can't go to church or don't want to or are afraid to. And, uh, you know, that's really a big, big uh, factor, I think, in, uh, in, yeah, in, but, the, in but the, the total price we're going on. to pay for this. But you're going to go to a
0: gambling it. casino, but the governors won't let you go to church.
4: You can go to an abortion facility. You can go to a pot dispensary. You can get liquor. Right. That's all essential. But going to church is not? That's what's wrong with the country. We've lost our moral clarity.
0: Well, it's not wrong with the country. It's wrong with uh, certain politicians. Not all of them, but certain politicians of need to be removed from office when they I take that attitude. Governor of Michigan, the governor of Oregon, the governor of Florida. I mean, excuse me, not Florida, but uh, of uh, Washington State. Uh, I mean, those uh, the mayors of Seattle and, and Portland. Good God. those Chicago. people. Are crazy. Chicago. Yes. And you
4: know what? The, the governor of Virginia just got COVID yesterday. His wife was just diagnosed with it today. He's asystematic. She has the symptoms. So now somebody walked up to me on the street and said to me, and they said, Chris, which is it? Was he not following what he's telling everybody else to do, or what he's telling everybody else to do really doesn't work?
0: Which is it? We're well, well, talking about the governor that believes in infanticide.
4: Uh, That's correct. The one that, that believes in infanticide, the pediatrician governor that believes in—he's going to make them comfortable. Let the family and the doctor discuss it. How they're going to kill the baby if she doesn't want it. That's right. But they're gonna make it comfortable first.
1: Well, we're we're just about at we are <laughs> at the uh, at the time that we uh, thank thank you guys for uh, coming on, and uh, we miss Suzanne this time, but uh, I want to uh, wish uh, wish you and, and yours uh, a, a, a good evening and a good year, and uh, this is Dr. Larry Fiedewa, uh saying good night and God bless America.